Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Welcome to the show, everyone. My guest today is Craig Garden. So Craig is an individual that I met at our men's retreat, our Extremely Conscious retreat that Mike Prince and I hosted uh, just this past weekend as of the recording of this video. And Craig was introduced to me by a client of mine and a friend of mine and somebody that I'm also a client of as well, Laurent Goldstein. And Laurent mentioned to Craig about the retreat and he said yes pretty much right away. And it wasn't because he had this unlimited abundance of time on his calendar. In fact, he had to move some very important things in his life to be able to be there. And we actually talked about that a bit on the podcast here today of, is it selfish for us as men, as individuals, as humans to really take time for ourselves to prioritize our mental health, our self-care, our personal development. And I think we know the answer to that, but you'll, I think you'll be interested by the conversation that we had around that and, and just how our individual perspectives have shifted over the years with regards to that. Because quite frankly, there's been some guilt associated with that of like, you know, I can't really do this. Then I'm taking away time from that. And yeah, it's an interesting mind game that we go through when it when it comes to that. But, uh, Craig's an incredible individual. I mentioned it on the podcast that I believe that my life is on a completely different trajectory because of the kind of people I attract into my life and Craig being one of those. He is the, you know, if we were to label him as his title, which we did talk about that too, the idea of like, why do we always introduce ourselves based on our business and what we do for work? Maybe we should lean into that a little bit, but Craig is the CEO and the co-founder of a company called Aversio, which is a mushroom, uh, functional mushroom, as well as psycho- psychedelic uh, mushroom, hallucinogenic mushroom company based out of Vancouver, out of Surrey, BC. And Craig talked about his journey to get to the place to become the mushroom guy. Because how do you become the mushroom guy? I had to ask the question, like, what's the story there? So he Dove deep into that, talking about his own experience growing up, as well as his experience, uh, as well as his wife's experience with some illnesses, and then having kids and some of the challenges that they faced along their their journey with that. And Craig's just an inspiring guy. I think he's somebody that every single person that's watching this is going to go, whoa, that guy's a powerful individual, and he has a story to share And I'm just grateful that I was able to extract a piece of that story here in this interview. And I'm looking forward to hearing even more as Craig goes deeper and deeper and deeper in being somebody that can help shift perspective and educate the world around the benefits of this incredible organic medicine that we have available to us. So, yeah, with that, let's go and give this one a listen. All right, Mr. Craig Garden, what's happening, my friend? So good to see you again. (laughs) How you doing? Yeah, doing good, doing good, man. And I'm looking forward to uh, having this conversation with you. Obviously, we just got introduced to each other like a couple of weeks ago, and now we've shared in an experience on a weekend where we got to know each other on a deeper level. And I had an idea of what I wanted to talk to you about on this podcast before we did that weekend, and then it totally changed, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. But it's a good thing, though, because I think we'll, uh, you know, we we shared some really great conversations, and I'm looking forward to diving even deeper on those if you're if you're up for it here today. So it's going to be fun. Thanks for having me. I think, uh, you know, to that point, I'll, I'll say everything's on the table with me as you probably well figured out last yeah. weekend. So, uh, yeah. And I'm happy to take it wherever it goes. Cool. Well, yeah, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the experience without giving away all of the stuff so that people in the future can experience it for themselves. But, um, I do want to say, first of all, that I just appreciate you and how you showed up last weekend as well. I think, especially on the Friday night, you uh, speaking up kind of cracked the nut open for everybody to go, okay, that's what this weekend is. That's, that's how we're going to show up. So, you know, just a bit of gratitude for you for that. And, and then it continued on throughout the whole weekend. You know, I think we had some really great, deep, meaningful conversations that are needed in this world. We all 
need a space and some brothers to actually have some real conversations with, you know? Yeah, I can't agree more. I think, you know, uh, the timing is, it was so fitting, um, in which, you know, we got together in the first place, heard of one another and then reached out and then actually, you know, like, yeah, let's go and do this. And, uh, and then going up there and being a part of that experience was, it was really enlightening. I think, um, for somebody, uh, coming from, um, you know, a young age where you're told to like, just file things away, you know, which we talked about to where I am in my life now. And that's just like, Oh, let's, let's not do that. Let's, Let's share because sharing is caring. And I think the world needs more of that um, than anything else um, for abundance right now. So you provided the space, mister. I just showed up uh, and I I think it was a great experience for me. I learned a lot about myself um, and I think I learned a lot about some other individuals out there that, you know, it's it's just we're all in the same boat, right? So we all can put an oar in and help out. It sure makes it a heck of a lot easier to manage everything. Yeah. Right on. Well, we'll get into some of the the juicy stuff on all of that. And really quickly here, I'm just going to mention there's a quote by Brene Brown, actually, that I tell everybody when we start these conversations, kind of ground us in what we're here to do. And that is one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through and it will become somebody else's survival guide. So that's our our grounding here as we we dig into the story of uh, of Craig and find out a little bit more about you beyond just the title that you have as CEO, co-founder of Aversio as well, which I, I want to maybe start with that and then maybe go back to your what brought you to here. But one of the things I took away from the weekend was that we didn't talk a lot of business. Nobody did, right? There wasn't there maybe was some initial introductions when the guys were first meeting each other where it was like, so what do you do? And this is kind of this default that we go to, isn't it? But we brought it up on the Friday to, to, to address that. Like, how are you introducing yourself? Who are you? And what came up for you when that question was presented? Who are you at the very start of the retreat? Yeah, I think, um, I, I agree. I think it's interesting in society how that's where we are, you know, our default mode goes to like, Hey, what do you do? And that's almost how people measure themselves up, so to speak. Um, if ego is present or ego isn't present. So I find it always an interesting uh, bit of a social experiment that way. Um, I, I think it was neat to see that, you know, everybody kind of came at it from different ways. Um, and for me, it was just, you know, uh, being open and honest and just saying, Hey, I, I'm that crazy mushroom guy that, uh, everybody <laughs> talks, talks to. And, uh, I just kind of throw it out like that because then it really doesn't, you know, the title is something here that, as much as you said it, um, it's not important to us here at Aversio. I'm no more important as a CEO and co-founder than um, the mycologist in the lab or somebody answering the phone at the front desk. Like It's a complete team effort, and I think um, that's an old stigma that possibly needs to change in order to bring um, you know, the change required so that everyone feels like they're on an equal playing field. Yeah. Well, there's so many paths I can go down on that side of the conversation too. And I think we probably will just this whole idea of leadership, but I really do believe that, you know, you showing up for yourself and making the time, which by the way, you know, you, you made some sacrifices and made some choices to not be at other things in order to be there. And I speak about this a lot. The idea of, you know, is it selfish of us to actually spend me time or time doing self-reflection and actually slowing down a little bit in order to speed up does that actually help you your business your relationships your your family life all of that kind of stuff and i think it's a resounding like yes of course it does but we still kind of have this inner guilt almost i know i do anyways like oh can i really go do that is that gonna actually resonate with my team knowing that i'm going and doing this kind of stuff when i could be doing something else What's been your uh, perspective on that? And then we'll maybe dive back into how you got here. But just as a leader within your company, what does that do for your people that that work with and for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And I think, um, you know, my answer to that is, yes, you absolutely need to take some time for yourself. I think as somebody like managing that ship or running that ship, we're often, you know, the last person to take that time. Um, out. And I think I learned it 
probably about three years ago on my journey in, in this company was just what I would do is run away to the mountains. I would go until I didn't have a cell phone reception anymore. <laughs> it sounds crazy. And that's getting harder and harder to do in today's world because you'd be shocked on where you can get cell phone service in the middle of like the mountains. Um, but that's what I would do. And, and then at that point, that guilt that you spoke about would um, diminish because, hey, if somebody can't get a hold of me, then... I don't have to be accountable per se, or I don't have to feel bad about not being accountable. So um, I think it's really important. And I think if we don't take that opportunity and that time to set that tone um, for everybody else working in our organization, then it almost becomes the opposite of what you're trying to achieve. And um, it becomes very toxic, right? Because, you know, uh, you can work till you pass out, literally. But is that the best thing for you and 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 what you want to show your, your your people that you work with your team? So yeah, no, you've got to take time out straight up, and I think that's the hardest part. That is the work for me is doing that. But I do know on the other side, when I come back from doing that, um, you know, I will say by and large, everyone's like, "Wow, like what did you do?" Because you're 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 so different. You're so zen. You've you've just chilled right out, and I think. Um, that's the inspiring part for me to be selfish and take that time moving forward to continue on with that practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> I got to address the irony of what we're talking about here, too, because when we started this conversation, both of us, I actually posted publicly that I had a day yesterday. <laughs> it was a bit of a hot mess, you know, and you had a very similar experience, too, right? What time were you up at again? And when did that day end? Yeah, I started yesterday at 2.30 in the morning, and I uh, I basically passed out about 10, 10.30 out of exhaustion. So, yeah, that that is uh, the irony. It couldn't, couldn't be closer to the truth with that, for sure. But that's the other end of it, right? You, you, you work hard, and then I say play hard, too. So, on the other side of it, right? But there's balance, so sorry. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I just wanted us to say that out loud, because if anybody's listening to this and thinking, wow, look at these two like elevated Zen businessmen that are just like making all the right decisions. It's like, dude, no, like <laughs> there's days and we get to be forgiving of ourselves, but also make time. And and I know part of that day yesterday for you was your mom's 70th birthday as well. Right. So it wasn't like it was all work. And and how did you find that? Actually, that's maybe another interesting piece to discuss. How have you found being a busy executive professional and then being able to turn that off when it's family time or going off to an important milestone birthday party and that type of thing? You know, what was the experience like yesterday for you specifically? Wow, man, you're asking some <laughs> really good questions. You've done this before. A couple times. Um, I struggle with it straight up. Like I, I just, I struggle with it. And I think that is the work that, that I try and my wife tries to remind me as my business partner um, that like, okay, great. Now we're here. Like the phone's blowing up until the moment that you pull up and literally, and then it's still blowing up and you're like, okay, I'm going to put that on silent. I'm going to shove it in my pocket. And you try to go in and just, you know, really take that time out to be present with others. And I think, I think, can I do a better job of it? Always I can be. But I really try to, same as I walk into a meeting, just like this, I put my phone on vibrate. I turn it upside down so that I'm not distracted by it because we live in this day and age where that seems to be just like how everybody functions. And um, I don't think you can help it sometimes, but if you're trying to be truly present with the people around you, and show them that undivided attention you need to as hard as it is so yeah that that's the hard work man but uh i was able to do it for two hours and then literally went back to it right after <laughs> so um yeah guilty as charged yeah yeah well i'm glad we got to say that out loud though because it's just the truth right it's it's uh we are all i think working at finding that balance and looking for the answers knowing that the slow down to speed up analogy is very true. I know I've experienced it myself, but I'm, it's like I'm hard, hardwired to and programmed to do the opposite. Like the last 15 years of my life, I don't know about you, but it's just been like, go, go, go. And what's next? And let's, you know, let me see how I can actually just keep rising up and not just the company, but even me personally, you know, I'm, I'm addicted to growth. <laughs> 
and I've had to reframe and I'm still in the process of, you know what, having non-negotiable time to meditate and do breath work or just go for a walk or whatever. And it's got to be a part of the puzzle here or else all of this stuff just doesn't work and, and it's not worth it even, you know, it feels like we're just constantly chasing. Can you relate? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, for me, it's grounding, right? Like taking that time out to meditate. Um, somebody gave me an analogy one time of, of when I set out to do this business and they're like, yeah, you're, you're going to go ahead and do this and then you're going to go public. And this is, uh, you better be able to be able to meditate on a rocket ship, like lifting off. And I was like, I didn't really get that at that point in time. Cause I've run my own business before and other, um, areas and other, you know, uh, businesses in terms of like what that was about, but getting into this business, I really knew nothing about it by and large in terms of CPG and things like that. So heavy learning curve and literally, um, yeah, it is like that. So you need to take time out. Like I have a 12 o'clock meditation blocked in my calendar and it's like the sacred time for the middle of the day unwind. And if I can go outside cause it's nice, and this has not been a good year for it. Um, but I love to go outside and just put my feet in the grass and take the time to do that and ground out. And you'd be amazed. You'd just be floored. Like if you're present to that moment and you can shut everything else off and find that quiet space, that's where I find my recharge in the middle of the day to carry on with uh, some of the chaos or madness that we surround ourselves with by choice or by default in, in a day-to-day in this environment we call work and life. Yeah. I love that analogy. The, uh, find the silence on a rocket ship or however you referenced it there. It's so true, right? Especially if you're doing that in the middle of the day, cause there's always something you could be running to an email inbox or a messaging service or somebody that's pulling at your arm, asking for some answers to questions. So that's, uh, that's something that, uh, that I'm going to have to look at here even too, because I haven't been doing that. I typically would maybe start my day with uh with the quiet and the calm and haven't been overly consistent with it it's something that i'm actually working towards turning into more of a habit but um so let's uh let's dig in maybe a little bit to how does how does one become the mushroom man <laughs> and feel free to go back as far as you want um on that journey because i know you shared a bit about it at the retreat as well, just kind of what brought you to this point and why you're passionate about it but yeah feel free to go in whatever direction you want with that. And I'll just pick up from what you're putting down. Oh, wow. Well, I hope you got a few minutes. It's a bit of a we story. Got time. We got I'll, time, man. I'll keep it as brief as I can, but I mean, yeah. So for, for me getting into this line of work, it was kind of, you know, it just kind of happened. But when I look back at it and what led my wife and I into where we are now with it in terms of, we've got two businesses, we've got a research and development side to it. And then we've got a CPG, um, consumer packaged good line um, of functional mushroom products. So um, what led us there? Well, we wind the clock back um, way back when uh, I've been with my wife 22 years now when she was 28 and we had our son. He was two years old, Nolan. Um, there was a point in time in which she couldn't walk down the stairs and she couldn't eat. She was eating through like a straw. And this all came on very suddenly. Um, and we were like, what's going on? And it turns out it was a condition called psoriatic arthritis in which it's an overproduction uh, of skin cells um, is how it presents on the surface of your skin. And, and then the arthritis component is actually what's in the joints. And so this, this combination of these two things pairing together would mean that it would move like rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis. It would move around the inner body and present in different areas. And, um, yeah, I remember her saying to me, like, because we were very active people and always have been. And, and she was crying to me one day and she said, like, you should go. Like, this is, I'm going to hold you back and I don't want to hold you back. And I was like, that's not even an option. Like, what are you talking about, babe? Like, we're going to figure this out. So like everything, like anyone, you go and you do a bunch of research. And um, after about two months, it just so happened there was this, um, this, uh, research um, study that was coming along and it was for this injection, uh, once a month injection called Symphony. And it was a biologic and we enrolled her right away. We got her in 
And um, she got the placebo, of course, for the first six months. So she was no better. And she was just like, I don't know. Like, this is so bad. It was tears every night. And then the six-month trial ended. She got the, the real deal in terms of what they were offering. And within four days, all symptoms gone. Like, it was remarkable. And we were like, this is the miracle drug, right? Here we go. Um, so, you know, fast forward, her taking that drug once a month, um, you know, to the tune of about $8,000 a month, uh, which not all of it was covered under medical care. So, you know, we're scraping together everything we have to make that work at that point in time. It was a lot of money. It's still a lot of money. And um, over the course of her taking that 12 years, she got skin cancer three times. Jeez, we eh? Yeah. And we decided like... Well, she had decided more than we, but she decided if that's the worst that's going to come of this and I can still live my life, I would rather be able to live a full life than live um, a life in which it can't be full and deal with this every day and the pain of it. So I said, okay, that's what it is. Away we go. On the 12th year of taking it, I believe it was the 12th year, um, she was driving my daughter at this point. We had another child and and, uh, she was driving my daughter and she had a seizure while she was driving. And, um, of course, so she gets rushed into the, the hospital and we have an MRI done on her brain and she's got this white matter built up, um, which the doctor said, well, that's really weird because that would be something that you would typically see in like a 70 to 80 year old person. And we were like, what? Like, and he started asking questions like, are you guys healthy? And yeah, we explained it all. But the only thing that we couldn't figure out was this damn injection. Like it kept coming back to like, well, what's in this thing, right? But because it was in this study, um, you know, they they were not releasing all all the information in terms of what was in it. So we didn't know. Um, But that was the only thing that we could conclude. And so at that point, just like 12 years before, we're like, pump the brakes. Like, whoa, we got to figure something else out. So that's where we went into the, the, the whole, the rabbit hole of mushrooms. And uh, really started to do a bunch of research. It wasn't mushrooms per se that we, you know, went down into to look and explore. It's just where the research kept coming back in Eastern medicine and how this was, you know, how many, so many conditions, whether it be arthritis, whether it be inflammation, whether it be like brain fog and brain uh, decay in terms of like Alzheimer's and dementia and things like that, that were all predisposition for what do people do? What trials are there? What information? What scientific papers there are? So we read like, I'm telling you, man, over the course of a year, we probably read thousands of articles on this stuff and we became like mushroom nerds over it. Um, and so at that point we ordered a bunch of products from the internet, Amazon, everywhere we get our hands on it and tested them. And I was like, well, let's test them because we want to know what's in these products. And what we found is there was a lot of like just filler in them. Uh, and we're going, well, if we're trying to cut out wheat for inflammation, I don't know how much you know about that, but like wheat's a big one for inflammation. Um, why do we want to be taking that? And if we're seeking a therapeutic dose, how, how do we get that when all these products out there, like 95% of them, um, were just filler. And, um, we were really like saddened by that. So of course, being the person that I am as a project manager at that time, um, I'm going, well, we can figure this out. How hard could it be? (laughs) I think that was, that was kind of the beginning of the, uh, of how the whole thing started in terms of. Um, the mushroom ex- exploration. And so we scoured the earth and we took samples from everywhere you can think of and then some places in between. And what we were really seeking was organic and mushrooms that were grown in nature um, on logs because that's where all the beneficial compounds come from. They don't come from being grown on um, like wheat or rice or anything like that. So um, we sourced a bunch of stuff brought it in, tested it all, and then formulated it ourselves, and put these formulations together that we started taking. And um, about six months into that is where we really incorporated the business at that point in time and said, hey, you know, if, the, if this is working for us, there's got to be some other people that would like it. Because our family started asking, like, what's going on with Brandy? How is she so much better? And, oh, here, try this. Oh, really? Can I get more of that? And we're like, yeah, I guess so. Okay, we'll bring some more in. And then it kind of just mushroomed into so <laughs> literally, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm bad with it. <laughs> but um, it really just, it, it just grew into to 
creating a line of products and putting a team together. And I came in here one day to the office, a consulting firm, and said, hey, we're going to grow, or not, I did say, we're going to grow mushrooms. I said, let's start a mushroom business. And everyone looked at me and they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, let's start a mushroom business. And my wife was like, sure, let's do it. <laughs> so we literally did it. And uh, we put a, a license into Health Canada at the same time um, for something that's called a controlled substance dealer's license um, to enable us to uh, grow, um, harvest, and work with um, psychedelic mushrooms at that same time. Because that research, there was a lot of like psychedelic um, components that kept coming drawn into that initial research. And for us, we were like, that's really cool. Let's learn more about it at the same time. Um, so that's really how both companies were formed initially, Trevor. Mm. I was just going to ask you about that, actually. What's the terminology you use? Is it functional mushrooms? It's kind of like the the organic, non-psychedelic side of it. And then there's the psychedelic side, right? If those are kind of the two spectrums of it. Yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, so we reference anything non-hallucinogenic as functional mushrooms because um, – and our, my, my, our mycologist here would be mad if he heard me say that because he believes that all mushrooms are functional mushrooms. Like, why do they get this prestigious title when all mushrooms – are functional and he's right. I mean, all mushrooms have beneficial compounds in them, but by and large, there's about 20 that we've really done a lot of research on in the last hundred years um, for these um, therapeutic compounds that are present in them that we, we look at. So that's your lion's mane, your reishi, your cordyceps, your maitake, shiitake, um, tremola, and, and, and a bunch of others as well. Um, but we work with about nine primarily on that end of the business. Um, and then there is the psychoactive ones, which are Slosovic benzies, mushrooms, uh, predominantly is the species that we work with. And we have like 32 different strains right now um, that we work with in our lab in cultivating and, and just exploring um, their potency and, and working to uh, get them in the hands of all Canadians because, well, that's a whole nother podcast, but yeah. We can talk about it if you want, but yeah. Well, I do want to talk about that a little bit. And just to clarify too, like, <clears throat> was your wife taking the ones that you're referring to as the functional ones or was she taking also the, um, the hallucinogenic psychedelic ones? Yeah. Good question. So, um, she was only taking the functional ones. Like at that point in time, um, to provide some further background, my wife was, a um, a grade four elementary school teacher for 20 years. Um, and so, at that same time, while she was teaching and we were going through this, I was a project manager for our own consultant company. Um, and by and large, doing high-rise development, um, as well as early on 10 years ago, I, I did a lot of uh, cannabis LPs, like the building of these facilities for these growers, licensed producers. And so it was kind of like, I'm doing this and she's saying, teaching our kids drugs are bad. And <laughs> it was a, it, it was a hard thing in our yeah. home, right? At that point in time, right? Because on one hand, it put food on the table. On the other hand, of course, you know, she's been told and she's, you know, she's instructed to tell her kids like all drugs are bad. Right. Um, so it was a real clash at that point in time in our relationship as well. But uh, back to your question, she was only taking functional mushrooms and that's where we deal like with high extract mushrooms. So, 8 to 1, 12 to 1, 16 to 1, where we're taking like 16 grams of mushrooms and condensing that down into one gram. And then you have to take just a little bit of that to get a therapeutic dose according to what Health Canada says. The highest allowable dose that you can take safely, even though they're just mushrooms and you can't overdose on functional mushrooms, that's what we were seeking to uh, deal with her psoriatic arthritis. And I might add that now, two years, two and a half years later, she's in full remission. Like she has no symptoms at all. It's amazing. No doubt. Um, man, this brings up so many different paths that I think we can go down here. But the one that comes to mind first is just, I know when we first met, you were in an airport flying out to Kingston to go and speak at an event that was more on the psychedelic side of the industry, right? And... You expressed to me at the retreat that 
it was an interesting experience. You, I think you referred to it as, you know, the people that are kind of in the trenches and doing the research and seeing the results and just battling the systems, including the education side of things to just get the truth out into the world. And then there was the corporate types that were there with the suit and ties on, you know, just to put a massive label on them, but, you know, seeing like, what's the business side of all of this stuff and what's maybe let's speak about that uh, briefly too, because you talked about as well, you getting emotional when you were there and that that was something that I think really connected you with the people that were there in attendance as well, because they could see that there was, this isn't just a business that's planning to go public so that you can make a bunch of money. This actually has some grounded meaning behind it, like purpose in your life, doesn't it? Yeah, so much so. And I think, you know, so we back up and like, you know, before COVID is where we started this journey. And then, and we did it primarily on the psychedelic side because we saw so many of our friends that are like first responders um, and just friends and family that are all just suffering, Trevor. There's so many people suffering out there. And, um, at that point when we had created the other business, you know, I thought, well, we should just do this too, because I'm on the back 40 of my life. And if anything I've learned is like, I've learned a lot of information. If I can apply what I've learned to something else and learn to do something else and do things that are hard, those are the best things, you know, worth doing at the end of the day. So I felt somewhat of an obligation to see if I could help people, given all the research that I had read on psychedelic mushrooms. Um, and I mean, they're all over the headlines now in terms of what you see and the benefits that are being explored behind them from, you know, PTSD, anxiety, depression, um, obesity, addiction. Like there's just no end to, um, to where we are in understanding further their benefits, these psychedelic mushrooms if taken in the right set and setting. And so, you know, two years in the COVID, you're not seeing people, you're not going out and doing any of that stuff. We were growing our business and a lot of other businesses were imploding. Others were growing, you know, there was all this diversity happening around us. So this was like the first opportunity to actually get in front of a bunch of people to hear what else is going on out there. There was a bunch of Zooms and stuff like that, but you know, as you know, there's only so much connection that's behind that in terms of uh, feeling and emotions and, and uh, you know, your gut check, if you will. So um, it was interesting to, to be invited to this Catalyst Summit. It was what it was called. And it was at, um, it was in Kingston, um, Ontario, at um, Queen's University. And there was three different um, rooms going at any given time. And they had speakers from all around the world. Like Paul Stamets was there, Mark Hayden. Um, you know, there was uh, senators there from, from Canada. Like just pretty much anything you could think of was there. So it was really great to, to meet all these humans that we've learned about in our reading and some conversations with others never at all and just connect. And I think that human connection is what was just so important. Uh, it reignited a fire both in Brandy and myself and Allison from our team who came there and getting a chance to talk on that panel about why we're doing it. You know, we set out in what we we're doing um, to really change the lives of people through fungi. And, and straight up, I think, you know, Mother Earth put them here. We've evolved from them, I believe. Um, and we've consumed them for a very long time, whether it be in tradition, traditional setting uh, in First Nations or just evolution of picking them and being hungry <laughs> and evolving, right? Um, so yeah, it's it, it was it was great to go there and, and be with these people and tell my story or our story, I should say. I'm one, one component of it. And I think what, you know, people really connected with that on, on a certain level because just willing to get emotional. I didn't intend to. It's just when you really love what you're doing, and you're being honest to yourself. Um, I find being raw, people really connect with it sometimes just because that's all we are at the end of the day. We're this energy and we need that connection in order to feel fulfilled at the end of the day. So, Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was kind of the foundation of the weekend that we all just experienced together even too, you know, is that acknowledgement of 
we're all just here trying to navigate this crazy thing called life and <laughs> have some fun along the way and make some money along the way. Cause that's what we do in this kind of 3d world. We make money to buy stuff and do things and all of that. But I'm glad you brought up the reference to the connection to the earth as well. And the spiritual side of this, because that was one of the conversations I remembered we kind of had as a collective group, or at least there was a few people around and we were speaking about mushrooms and how, when they do grow on these trees or in the earth, even that there's this network of how they're connected to everything. And at first it was, it was a conversation where your thoughts go to like, okay, this is getting a little woo woo right now, but I catch myself really quick on that to go. No, it's not. There's nothing woo woo about any of these things. This is just the seeking of truth, but maybe speak to that a little bit too. Like what's been your experience as you started to discover all of these things, trying to solve a problem, right? With, with what your wife was going through. Have you found like in the last dozen years or so, or even just recently that you see the world in a different way, or even see this universe that we live in in a different way and, and that the mushrooms have kind of helped tap you into that a little bit. You know where I'm going with that? You got some great questions. (laughs) Yeah, I know where you're going with it. Okay. Yeah, no, I think unquestionably they have. And, and for me, you know, it's, as I said, it started down the journey with the functional mushrooms, but you know, truth be told, um, I consume psychedelic mushrooms as well. And, um, whether it be in a microdose, uh, to help with daily, you know, just tasks and, and getting to that flow state, um, which I do, you know, from time to time, um, or it be a macro dose, uh, with a, you know, a clinical counselor, and creating that proper set and setting that I've spoken about and, and actually consuming like a macro dose of mushrooms, like five to seven grams. Um, and then working on what came up during that um, afterwards to do the integration. That's where you get the work done. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're all products of this environment that we call life. And people say, hey, aren't you really glad to get back to like how things were before COVID. And I'm like, actually, no, I think, I think shit was broken. So, um, I'm happy to get back to like what I think is, should be the new norm. And that is loving awareness. And, and that sounds cliche and all the rest of the stuff to some people out there, I'm sure, but that's all we are at the end of the day. And if we treated each other with that, which comes from the earth, and you can't tell me you don't feel a connection to it. If you just take the time out to go sit on a piece of grass or, in a forest or there's nothing wrong with that. And and quite frankly, I think there needs to be more of it. Um, so my experience is, yeah, I take psychedelic mushrooms once a year and to go through that big, um, reconnection with mother earth. And for me in doing that, what I found through my journeys is that there is a deep connection to, you know, the earth and the things that we, and the animals and, and the humans and, I like to say when you come out of an experience like that, if you go into it with that proper intention and setting, um, and you know, you, I like to say you're like a baby, a newborn baby afterwards. Like you should not make any life altering decisions <laughs> after you do something yeah. like that for a good yeah. 10 days, because, um, you're literally like, everything is brighter. Everything's simpler. Uh, and when I say simple, I mean like dumbing it down to like, really, you were stressed out the day before about all this crazy stuff you got going in your work life and your home life and all that stuff. And really, does any of that matter? No, it doesn't. Are you healthy? Do you have people in your, in your life and are surrounded by people that, you know, make you happy and fill you up and, and bring that loving connection? If you have those things, which most of us do in some shape or form and some don't, um, those mushrooms allow those walls to be broken down and those connections to be regenerated so that you can bring that feeling back into your life and that connection, not only to earth, but to yourself. Um, because for myself, I, you know, I had a form of PTSD that I didn't even know about. Um, and it goes back to when I was eight years old. So, and I never would have found out about that. Like, you know, all the therapy in the world never would have dug that out of me just because of the person that I was going into that experience initially. So 
Yeah, man. It's well, Hey, whatever it is, it is, <laughs> but it brings up more things for me though, too, which is when Mike and I, so Mike Prince and I, when we were organizing the retreat and we created all the pieces that we needed to kind of put it out into the world and, and then mentioned it to Laurent who knew you obviously, and he mentioned it to you and, and then there, then you showed up. Like Mike and I met in a way that was just, of course we met, you know, we were, there was intention behind that and it was destined, like we were destined to meet, right? And I believe the same is in meeting you because both of us, Mike has his own journey that he's been down with his um, battle with Lyme disease. And then for me, and just in the last six months, it was just hitting a point where I was like, there's got to be more to this. Like, what questions am I not asking right now that I should be asking that I don't know what to ask that I feel stupid for asking, you know, and, and then also fearful of asking even too. like the idea of um, questioning death, even that was a big one for me back in January, where I started to see the pandemic, even too, you know, as this uh, very divisive thing that was going on in society. You talk about mental health, like some people are on one side extreme and others on another side. And in my case, when I started to speak up about the fact that I was feeling really isolated and um, restricted from everyday society because I couldn't take my kids to swimming lessons because I chose not to get vaccinated. I had a cousin who was working as who is working as an EMT who is extremely on the opposite side of me. And it, it created a lot of conflict and it was quite frankly, very uncomfortable, you know? And I had to go deep and just start thinking like, why does he think that way? Like part of me wants to go, what the hell's wrong with you? And then the next part is, wait a second. He has an experience in his life that makes what he believes to be true. His truth. Like it's true. Like how am I to question that? You know? And then I just thought like he's surrounded by death all day. You know, he's taking people from seniors homes into the ER and um, he sees it all the time. So it got me thinking, well, what is death? You know, and and anyways, to kind of bring it full circle to uh, the psychedelics and just your experience that that you have had and what you say you've, you do on a yearly basis. Mike and I have talked about, like, maybe we can introduce something like this into a retreat. And and we thought. Well, maybe not this one because we're both still exploring, you know, it would, it would have been a little bit rushed to do that, but I am interested in it. And it also scares me. I'll be honest. Um, but, and you and I talked about this. It's because my experience with mushrooms was, <laughs> you know, as like a teenager or in the college days, getting handed a chocolate and then going to the bar you know what I mean? And like, and then going home and seeing freaking spiders on the wall. Like it was just not a good experience, but it was the environment that I was in. It was the space I was in all of these things. So I guess I'm just saying out loud that like, I'm so obsessively curious about what you're talking about. And I have so many questions and I feel like some of them are stupid. Just like I was thinking six months ago. No stupid questions, Trip. <laughs> yeah. There's only the ones that we're afraid to ask, right? That you don't ask, right? You've got to ask them. There's no bad. I like to say there's no bad ideas and there's no bad questions. So mm. shoot. Yeah. Yeah. So like with the, the mushrooms, like naturally when I start thinking about all of this stuff, there's a lot of different paths to go down, right? So you think about ayahuasca ceremonies you think about uh the cambo like what mike did as a part of his healing on the the lyme disease side of things and then of course there's this as well and i think one of the things i'm just taking away right now is that there is a safe way to do this in a controlled environment that you can actually have the experience that you're looking for without just taking something randomly without really knowing exactly kind of the path to have that experience. Is that true? That that's what I heard from you. 100%. Yeah. A hundred percent. You're totally right. Like I am. So I too took mushrooms when I was a teenager and experimented <laughs> with that. Like probably yeah, that's the truth. Mom and dad, in case you didn't yeah, know, exactly. Right? the cat's out of the bag. I mean, I've got a 16 year old son and I'm pretty sure at some point he's going to do that too. Um, but that was a very different experience in terms of what I'm talking about, because you don't know what you don't know at that age and your brain's still developing. And, you know, I, I think you really, what, I, what we're more talking about is something that I call set and setting, right. And 
creating that intention behind what you're going to do. So that, which is very different, right? When we were kids, we we're taking mushrooms. We we're like, ah, let's go. We're going to a party. And I mean, geez, the thought of doing that now, like that would scare <laughs> the shit out of me. I would never do that. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, but now, you know, you fast forward and you go, you've got all these questions and you've got reservations behind it. And, you know, you, you said something that resonated with me and that you're scared. And, um, you know, I'd love to speak to that too, right? Because I think for me, I was very scared too, because, and that's where I think this substance should never go like recreational. Um, it's whatever, whatever, ayahuasca, 5-MeO, LSD, any of these things, other than like in a micro dose where it should probably still be controlled in terms of what you're getting, um, and, and know how it's made and, and whatnot behind it to some degree, whether it be natural or synthetic, um, you know, you got to be really careful about it because it's, it's a very strong uh, medicine and that's where that creating that setting. So, you know, for me, where do I do it? I try to find a place that's out in the woods and where I am connected to nature because that is for me, everything. Um, there's, there's clinic models and you could do it in clinics as well. Um, but for me, some people feel very safe in that environment. For me, that doesn't work. The other thing is like having a, a, a psychotherapist with you, right? Somebody that can, uh, or a counselor, somebody that can hold that space so that it's a safe environment so that, you know, when you consume these medicines, you know, if you consume a macro dose, like you could be in a burning building and you wouldn't know <laughs> is what I like to say. Yeah. Like if you're taking a, a large macro dose, you, you're out of it, right? So you need somebody there in case the phone rings or there's an emergency that can deal and handle that and allow you to be focused on what you're doing and that experience at hand. So that's really important. And then, you know, there's actually consuming the medicine itself. And, you know, when you make that statement about being scared, I think my personal belief is this, I will say that until you can come to a point in which you've explored a lot of other things in terms of asking the questions that you need to ask in order to feel like you understand enough about what's going to happen and then be comfortable with the unknown. You have to be comfortable at some point with not having control. Control's an illusion. None of us have control. You know, something can happen right now while we're having this, this conversation or following and we got no control over it. So you need to be able to get to a point where you say, you know what, if I can, I looked at it personally as if I could get 1% better as a human being, as a biohacker, a deep biohacker, I like to do all that stuff. If I could be 1% better as a human to my wife, to my children, to the people that I surround myself with, whether it be friends or work. I'm going to try this because what do I have to lose at this point? What do I have to lose? And that's how I chose to go down that. So again, had somebody who could hold that space. I, I worked on some of the things that could come up or that I thought may come up. Will I take this macro dose and this journey and, um, and then went through this beautiful experience and there was frightening parts to it as well. Um, and, I will add that what I thought I was creating and would happen, none of that happened. So, like, just goes to show you, you control, like, there's no such thing as it. You know, you can set the intention behind it, but really, that's the beauty behind this medicine and, and other psychedelics. They have the ability to pull out what do you need to get out of this experience. And I find the people who say that they have a bad trip, there's no such thing. There's just what is. And if that shit that comes up is bad, likely that is something that's happening in your day-to-day -day that you need to deal with and learn how you're ignoring exactly how to deal with that more efficiently so that you can be a better version of yourself to all those things that I mentioned before. So, yeah, I think that that's... you got to get to that point. And only then when you're at that point and you have those other pieces of the... the the game of chess, you know, in play, then, then it's the right time to do it. Oh, I'm grateful for this conversation. Cause this is, uh, just another piece of my journey of, 
exploration and curiosity around things that scare me. Like we spoke about it at the retreats when we jumped into the cold water. When I first did that, it was the same kind of feeling, you know, it was like, I'm scared, man. Like, I don't want to do this. And it was actually a physical thing, right? Because we know that like cold water is cold. Like there's no way around it. It's cold every single time. It doesn't warm up. But I leaned into that too. And just layering on these things, like you mentioned, 1% better. And to me, it's not just the, the functional uh, organic medicines that we have available to us, but it's also experiences. It's also conversations that might have made you uncomfortable in the past that we get to have. And that's what our intention was in creating the space for the retreat too. So yeah, I love this conversation. Um, I want to take us down one other path here uh, to kind of wrap us on this conversation, which by the way, I always do follow-ups on my podcast too, because we got way too many things to talk about, man. So we'll, we'll book another <laughs> one as well after this, but okay. I want to speak about uh, your kids a little bit too, and just your journey on that side of things, because now that I know more about your journey to get to here and the business and your wife and your relationship and, and just all of that stuff, the education that you're committed to bringing to the world to help people understand these things a little better. The conversation that you and I had as we were stoking the sauna fire <laughs> at the retreats, um, I don't think I expressed this to you, but you shared some stuff with me about your experience in having kids and and uh, the, the calls that you got from doctors and, and the time that you had to spend in the NICU and stuff with your kids where I actually thought to myself, holy man, here's somebody who's actually, who really understands what I went through. And then there was a level of like, oh my gosh, you are still in that phase years and years later of really being so attentive to your kids and their health. Whereas with me and my wife, we had a scare for a good four months where we weren't sure if our son would survive because he was only a, a pound and three ounces when he was born. So we spent the first four months in the NICU with him. But since then, he's been pretty good. You know, like he's got big, thick bottle cap glasses. But aside from that, he's healthy, you know, like he's healthy and he's and he's functioning good and he's growing and all of that. And um, anyways, I just want to kind of open the space for that, for you to share as much as you want around your experience in having kids and what that's, yeah, just the, the conversation that we had around the sauna. Yeah, sure. So, um, I have, uh, two beautiful children and, uh, they're obviously why I, I do this every day. They're, they're why I keep grinding and do what I do and I'm wanting to share what we've learned along the way. So, um, you know, my son's 16 and, uh, my daughter's 11 and they both have something called phenylketonuria, um, which that sounds like a mouthful. It is, uh, we call it PKU for short. Um, and you know, when your kid's born and you got this beautiful baby and you're like, wow, this thing is the best. What you don't know is they actually heel poke your children. And they draw some blood out of the heel of your child and they send it off to screening. And one of the things they're screening for something called PKU. And so we had just got home with our baby, brand new baby boy, Nolan. And uh, we're like, wow, we did it. We made this beautiful little human. And no sooner do we get home, we get the phone call from Children's Hospital that night. And they're like, hey, we've got, we need you to come to Children's Hospital tomorrow morning. And to do some more follow-up testing with Nolan. And we're like, well, what's wrong? And they're like, well, we'll talk to you about it tomorrow morning. Of course, that doesn't go over well as a parent. And you're like, well, no, we'd like to know about it now. They say it's probably a bad result because the odds of this happening are <laughs> like you could win the Powerball. It, it'd be the equivalent, excuse me, it'd be the equivalent of winning the lottery, right? So, okay, so we check it out online we're up all night we cry we bring our our son to the you know children's the next morning uh, they admit us and um and they start doing the blood work and it comes back that yeah in fact he does have something called pku um so like at that point they checked my wife into the hospital for two months um where she wasn't allowed to leave because we had to learn how she couldn't breastfeed she couldn't do any of these things because 
Uh, it's a metabolic condition in which uh, they're missing uh, an enzyme in their liver that metabolizes protein. And um, if it's not controlled by diet and formula, um, then there is um, these phenylalanine levels build up in the blood and they actually cause um, mental retardation. They can't if it's not monitored. Um, so, you know, we, we learned how to do that and it was like weighing everything back then 16 years ago, right? <laughs> like there was no, the apps were just coming out and stuff like that. And, and so we had to do everything longhand. So it was like weighing what he ate, weighing what he drank, the formula, then recording it, and then emailing this every day to Children's Hospital, blood tests every two, three days to see where his phenylalanine levels were in his blood, um, and just monitoring that and getting him into a comfortable place where, you know, none of that damage could occur. Um, so we really took that on as like, you know, hey, we got to be anal about this stuff like we do everything else in life. Attention details everything. And so, and we did. And, you know, he's straight A student. He's 16 years old. If you met him, you'd never know he was any different. And we've always treated our kids that way. Um, but, um, you know, and so you talk about that and I, you know, you go back to when Lila was born. So there's a five year gap between the kids. And I remember seeing Nolan and going, Hey, Nolan, so you're going to have a baby sister. What do you think about that? And he's like, that's cool. I'm so excited about that. And then we asked him, so what do you think? Is Lila going to have PKU? And, you know, he's like, yeah, I hope she does. And so you got this beautiful five-year-old little boy, you know, and he doesn't know any better because he's just pure. And, you know, as a parent, you just cry. Your heart breaks because you're like, I want that for my son so that he's not alone on one hand. But I don't want that for my daughter on the other hand, right? Because no parent does, right? So that was a hard thing for us to deal with uh, when Lila was born. And of course, you fast forward now and, and she's 11 and um, she's very healthy and active dancer and, and all these things. She's just a beautiful soul as well. And um, I think we've done a, a, an okay job. But one thing at the retreat that really came up when we talked about that, Trevor, is, you know, I'm working on myself and all these other aspects of my life. The work that came out of it for me there was that I had totally not even considered that I have these two beautiful kids because we've never treated them any different, right? We've always treated them as what we just deem normal um, and never making a big deal about them having PKU because not trying to draw attention to it for their own sake, as well as just allowing them to mesh in with everybody else and because there's a lot of fear, you know, between other kids and, oh, what is that? That's weird and, and things like that. And those comments will be made. And, you know, as you're a mama and, 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 and a daddy bear. You're going to protect your kids to some degree. So, but in doing that and protecting them and not treating any different like that, I think what I came to learn is like, that's the next thing I need to work on as a person, you know, is really just go back to that trauma that happened. And then happen again because to have two kids with it, they were shocked. Like it, it was the equivalent of the Powerball lottery is the analogy that they gave us at Children's Hospital. Like this never happened. So, you know, and I think why did it happen to Brandy and I? Because we can handle it. Because we can deal with it. Um, but I think, you know, again, going back to the retreat, it's just being more aware of my children with this and how they're having to deal with it on a day to day. And that is the beautiful thing that came out of that last weekend is just, I came home with such a new renewed point of, uh, perspective on how to treat them and, and, you know, I don't know, just to be a better parent overall, if I can be and be more aware. I'm glad we got to have that part of the conversation because that was another big thing that <clears throat> I saw you experience at the retreat, but also it was also the gift I think you gave everybody else too, which was we are all there to work on ourselves and to spend that selfish me time that we deserve, but we're also there for all of these other people in our lives that we care about so much and we want to help so badly because we are committed conscious creators of our reality. But I think there was an aha moment on the Sunday 
where all of us realize that us doing the work is actually helping heal our kids and our extended family and everybody, quite frankly, that we come in contact with. And that was a big, that was a big moment for me on the weekend was to see you show up completely open to whatever was downloaded to you, knowing that you maybe go into the experience with expectations while at the same time, just kind of being like, I surrender to what is, but there's a difference between saying that and actually doing it, you know, and really completely surrendering to like, Oh shit. That's why I, that's why I'm here. And I saw that. I saw that in you. Um, and that was a gift that you gave to everybody else. I just wanted to acknowledge you for that, man. Um, cause you're, your vulnerability and your ability to uh, let the emotions be right on the sleeve and be a big, like, dude, you're bigger than me. And I'm pretty big dude, you know, like to see somebody that, uh, that shows up with that kind of vulnerability and honesty, it inspires me. It really does. And, you know, I want to spend more time with people like that. That's what I was craving six months ago was to attract people like you into my life. So yeah, just want to acknowledge you for that, man. I appreciate you. That's super kind, Trevor. I, 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 I'm humbled by that. Thank you. And, and I think you doing this, um, and getting the word out and how you're doing it. I mean, I think it's amazing and, and keep doing it because I think you've really created something special and I would love to be a part of it however I can moving forward in terms of helping you guys in that cause. Cause seeing 12 literally strangers come together, um, in that environment. And all it takes is one to open that up, that floor, you know, and you just saw it like everybody else saw it and then contributed to it. And I think, you know, everyone went back to their day to day, but I think everybody went back to their day to day with a different mindset. And I think that that's, that's, that's amazing. So if we can be 1% better to our children, to our spouses, to our partners, to our coworkers to strangers. Why wouldn't you try? Like, what do you got to lose? Right. The unknown is scary. Embrace that shit. Cause that's the best change that'll come out of life. 100%. Well, and we will definitely be uh, continuing down this journey and, and integrating and everything and finding the space and time to be able to connect and see how we can all support and elevate each other. And, um, I got one more question for you before we sign off here. And that is, it might be challenging to even pick one, but what is the one thing that you are most grateful for right now in this moment? Breath. Mm. Breath. It is everything, you know, it's the life force. It all starts right here. And if we don't remember to take that deep breath, throughout our day, I find that is the best thing to control all the craziness around us. And it creates that, just that calmness, right? You can't, you can't help but feel good when you take a deep breath. (laughs) Yep. That's a great answer. You just had me take a breath when you said it. (laughs) Proof that sometimes we take for granted these things that are so simple that are available to us to access at any time, Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I want people to know how they can connect with you and the company as well, because one of the things that I want to be of service to you on as well, and we spoke about this when you were in the airport, is you have a story to tell, you have a message, you have a vision that's greater than you, and people get to experience that one little micro dose at a time, if we're going to use some mushroom analogies here. And... uh And yeah, this was another piece of that, I believe, was to allow people to understand the man behind the company. But how can people connect with the company, but then also you personally, because I know that you're committed to stepping up and being that person, that extension of, uh, yeah, just sharing your vision to serve and heal the world. Yeah, thanks. Um, So, yeah, we've we've got two companies on the functional side. Um, You can reach out at, uh, you know, versiowellness.com. That's E-V-E-R. S-I-O, uh, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S.com. 
and um, you can get in touch with me there. Uh, on the lab side, it's Aversio Labs, so very much the same, just aversiolabs.com. Um, if you want to learn and do some research on psychedelics and what's going on there, we're starting a human trial soon. We're pretty excited about that. Um, so there, there's lots of cool things going on there. And then personally, um, if you want to reach me and uh, can be of help in any way, you can email me personally at craigg at aversiowellness.com. So uh, that's about it. Cool. Well, I'll link it all up and, um, yeah, I look forward to you sharing more of your journey and the stories and just all of the research that you guys are doing and, uh, you know, just the education, the awareness that you're bringing to this space because it's important, right? There's still a lot of uncertainty and lack of clarity and fear around all of the topics that we're talking about. And that gets unlocked one conversation at a time, one piece of content at a time. So, Thanks, man. I really appreciate this. And uh, I love you, man. I really do. Like, I am so grateful that we were able to connect and meet at the at the retreat and, and what we'll create together in the future as well. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Trevor. I really appreciate it. Appreciate the environment you created. And uh, I love you too, man. I think you're a wonderful human being. And I love what you're doing for, for, for everybody out there. I, I think however we can support you in doing that. It's going to make for a better place. So I think we're very much aligned that way. Let's find a way to do it. Absolutely. All right, brother. Thanks so much for doing this. Take care. Be well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel, as well as on your favorite podcast platform. So until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave. Yes.